Good morning, welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Lech Lecha Rishon, the first Aliyah in Parshas Lech Lecha. This Aliyah is 13 psukim long, running from Perik Yud Beis, Pasuk Aleph to Yud Gimel. Lech Lecha as a whole has 127 psukim, and the topic of our particular Aliyah is Avraham's mission. Let's take a little, little bit of a look at the summary, and then some points to ponder. We hear that Hashem tells Avram, go from the land that you come from, from your birthplace, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, I'll bless you, I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Those who bless you, will be, I will bless, and those who curse you, I will curse, and I'll make you a blessed family among all those on the earth. And that's what Avram does. He goes and he takes with him Lot, his um, his nephew and his wife Sarai, and he leaves at the age of seventy um, at seventy five years, and he leaves Haran where his father is, and they come and they take all their possessions and the nefesh asher Bacharon, the souls they had created in Haran, and they go towards Canaan. As they get to it, they start off in the place of Shechem, the area of Elon Moreh. The Canaanites are there in the land at this point in time. And Hashem appears to Avram upon arriving in this land. And he says, this is the land I'm going to give to your generations. He builds an altar to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And he starts moving his way downwards to the south as he goes towards the south of Israel. He builds another Mizbeach in the area of Beis El. And he calls out, in the name of God. At which point we hear about a famine which hits the land. There's a lack of food. And so therefore he decides to go down to Egypt. And as he gets to Egypt, he turns to Sarai and he says, it's, It seems the translation is, Now I know that you are a very um, attractive woman. And he says, When the Egyptians will see you and think that you are my wife, they will perhaps kill me. So please say that you are my sister in order that I should, we should be able to benefit from this and also I should not be killed. Very strange end of the Aliyah. We'll get to that in a moment. A few basic questions. We don't hear much of the resume of Avram. Why is it that he is chosen? Why does Hashem decide that he is special? We don't hear much about the background. Well, the famous background is actually a medrash. The medrash describing why the place he originally came from was called Ur-Kastim. Ur-Kastim means the fire of Kastim, the Chaldeans, because he, in fact, was the one who went against, he bucked the trend of his father's house, of the, of the national human perspective of paganism at the time, destroyed his father's idols, and therefore was thrown into the fire, the Ur in Kastim, which was the first of his ten tests. So that was what distinguished him, what made him unique. Rav Foreman points out that if you look in the actual psukim at the end of Parshas Noach, you'll notice that one of the things that Avram does is that upon the death of his brother Haran, he takes Haran's one daughter, Yiska, and marries her, Sarai. And he takes his son, Lot, and adopts him, essentially. And if you think about that, that's almost like a reverse Yibom. It's continuing the legacy of the person who was killed, who died, not, was not able to continue their name. If you think about it from that perspective, the selflessness, the altruistic perspective of Avram, that is a remarkable perspective of the type of character that he is. 
It's worthwhile noting that the Sfasemes is a third possibility as to what the resume, what the background, what the context of Avraham's chosenness is. The Sfasemes says that the call of Lech Lecha to go to the land of Canaan, to the chosen land of Hashem, was to all of humanity. It was only Avram who was listening, which meant to say that Avram was the only one tuned in based on the Zohar HaKadosh, that, that essentially in our lives there are Lech Lechas, and sometimes we just don't hear them. Avram was attuned to godliness to hear the call of Lech Lecha. Another question, why was he blessed with these three, three, three things? He was made into a big nation, he is going to be blessed, and his name is going to be, going to be increased. Rashi explains that these are three things, children, money, and name, are three things which are diminished when a person makes a move, certainly to another culture, another country. HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises not only will he not lose these, but they will be increased upon the move. Another question, why didn't Hashem tell him the destination? He says, I want you to go, and only when he arrives in this place does Hashem say, oh, you're here. Why should that be? Rashi says, in order to make it more dear to him, so that it's like the Lech Lecha Da'akeda. Lech Lecha starts and ends Aram's journeys. The end of Pasha's Vayera, as we will see soon, the, the trip to the Akeda is also Lech Lecha, it is also without a destination. It's to Eretz HaMoriah and Allah Chadeorim, on one of the mountains, which I will show you. So again, Avraham Avinu is going without being able to put the address in the GPS. He, he is living, a, so to speak, with a little more dearness. He needs to appreciate where he's going. It, the Balatonim actually points out that the gematria of the word Arekha is Be'ananim, with clouds. So how will he know? Because Hashem will place the clouds on that area as well. It could also be that there's a certain degree more of emuna required for a person to go without being able to type in the address. Just going. That's part of the test that Avraham Avinu was able to surmount. Another question. What is the nefesh, Asher Asuba Haran, the, the, the souls they made in Haran? Rashi explains that these this refers to those they had been makarev, they people they had brought closer to the divine presence, those they had successfully changed their lives towards monotheistic lifestyles. They came with them. What is interesting to note is that we don't hear about them later on. We'll try to get to an example of one of these people later on when we get to Pasha's Chaye Sarah Be'ezra Hashem. But it is interesting to know that we don't hear much about them afterwards. It's worthwhile noting that the Orachim HaKadosh, the beginning of Pasha's Tazria, points out that although Avraham and Sarai were not able to have children, every time they were together, they had a relationship, they did still create nefashos. They still created souls. They were disembodied souls. But there's a certain kedusha, a certain holiness that come out of an intimate relationship done in the correct way, and they were able to create souls, just those souls did not yet have have a footing in this world. That's what it refers to, a very powerful perspective of the Jewish perspective of intimacy, which should be understood from this Pasuk. Another question, when were, were the Kanani in the land, precisely? It's almost as if at the time the Torah is writing that the Kanani are no longer in the land, but Moshe Rabbeinu, who is writing the Torah, actually, at the time that he's writing the Canaanite, was still in the land. So Rashi explains, no, originally the land belonged to the Bnei Shem, the Semites. But the Canaanites were at this point in time taking over from the Semites, which is why Malkitzedek Melech Shalem was a Semite, but he lived near Yerushalayim, but the Canaanites were taking over the area, including parts of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was already divided between the Canaanites, the Bnei Cham, and the Bnei Shem. So this is referring to the shift in the land, which means the gift of the land of Canaan to Avram is a, is a return, not a bequeathing. He's going to get back the land as a child of shame. Another question, 
Why was the famine in the land if this is the promised land? After all, wasn't this the destination where he was supposed to be? So Rashi says, no, this was one of the ten tests to, to, to for Avraham Avinu. He's told to pick up everything, leave, go to this unknown land, and he gets there and it's not working. That's part of the question is, will he regret that? And he does not regret that. Another question, why did Avraham Avinu only recognize the beauty of Sarah? It seems if you translate the word na as now, right now, he, he didn't know. He was married to her for so many years. How did he not know? Rashi presents three options. One is, they were very tznuim. They lived a life which was not focused on their outer beauty. So it was only at this point in time that he actually noticed their, their, their relationship in these contexts as well. Another option is, is that even after the physical exertion of travel, no one looks great after travel. It's very difficult to travel. And he said, despite even the travel the, 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 and the exertion and the, the physical difficulty, you're still so beautiful in every situation. The third possibility is, at this point in time, they were forced to think in these terms because of the type of place they were going to. They didn't think in terms of attractiveness or non-attractiveness, but now they're going to a land which was only focused on those types of terminologies and perspectives. They were now forced to think in that language. It's worthwhile thinking for ourselves, you know, how much of the culture around us we adopt and the language and the values that we adopt and the, the sadness that we have to talk in those terms as Jews where we go to different cultures. That's what Avram and Sarah were realizing at this point in time. Finally, one last question is, it seems very cruel that he says to her, just pretend to be my sister in order to get money. That sounds very strange. So Rahama Paul points out that perhaps we're reading it completely incorrectly. What is necessary over here is for Avram Avinu to disassociate with Sarai, because if she is in fact his, his wife, he will be killed. So Avraham Avinu, the best way he could have done it was to pretend to be not connected to her in any way whatsoever. He could pretend to be the taxi driver. He could pretend to be the chaperone. He could pretend to be the, her, her valet. There's multiple options as to what he could pretend to be in order to disassociate himself with her. But he says, rather than a complete disassociation, please say that we are somewhat connected, that you're my sister, meaning, in the disassociation, don't completely disassociate me, because perhaps if you say my, you're my sister, you're safely distanced enough not to kill me, but close enough that perhaps they, will, they might give us gifts, which ultimately we may be able to be successful and return to the land of Canaan with. So it's a perspective of what the alternative was, and the alternative was complete disconnection. Don't completely disconnect from me in order. And that's perhaps a new way and a perhaps a more sophisticated way of reading this Pasuk. With this, we close the first Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.